You're listening to the Plano Pulse, a Plano Chamber podcast keeping you in tune with the heartbeat of the local business community. It's time for Plano Pulse with your hosts, Jamie Jolly and Lamont Thomas. Thank you for joining us for Plano Pulse, recorded here at the Plano Chamber office located in the Legacy Texas Business Center. I'm Jamie Jolly, President and CEO of the Plano Chamber of Commerce. And I'm Lamont Thomas, 2019 Board Chair of the Plano Chamber. Thank you for joining us for today's conversation. Uh, Before we introduce you to our special guest and a dear friend, we would like to take a moment to share a message from our sponsor of today's episode, Rose Food Service. Rose Food Service is a Plano-based small business offering commercial catering services. Their clients include City of Plano, Plano ISD, where they serve lunch to 400 children a day, and numerous business organizations, including the Plano Chamber of Commerce. Steve Itasic, executive chef and owner, is a graduate of Leadership Plano and has sponsored the program for over a decade. Need catering service for your business meeting or social event? Get started by visiting rosecateringplano.com or calling 469-443-0406. Just looking for a great lunch? Steve invites you to stop into his cafe inside the Collin County Courthouse in McKinney. Thank you again to our great friends at Rose Food Service for sponsoring today's episode. Now it's time to introduce you to our special guest for today's podcast, Chris Wallace. Chris is president and CEO of the North Texas Commission, or as we like to refer to it, NTC, a unique public-private partnership that drives large, impactful projects and legislative advocacy benefiting a robust 13-county region that does include Collin County. Prior to joining the North Texas Commission, Chris was president COO of the Texas Association of Business, the State Chamber of Commerce. He currently serves as chairman of the National Board of Trustees of the U.S. Chamber's Institute for Organization Management and he also serves on the National Board of the Business and Industry Political Action Committee and on the Texas Advisory Committee of the U.S. Global Leadership Coalition. Chris, I don't know how you had time to join us, but we appreciate you being here today. (laughs) It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Great. Well, I'm going to kick us off. I want to start with one of our favorite topics, something that we um, in the chamber world love to talk about, and that's economic development. A lot of cities and the state um, really create their own incentives when it comes to luring companies to Texas. We want them to bring their jobs and their paychecks to our communities. Um, As far as what's happening right now at the local level and even um, in the state legislative, uh, in the state legislature, do you feel like some of those incentives for economic development are under attack and kind of what's happening in that that area? Yeah, we we do have a few bills filed. uh, in the uh, current legislative session uh, regarding 312 and 313. So chapter 312 and 313 are the uh, statutes that allow uh, 312 specifically for cities, 313 for schools to incentivize businesses to, to move here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have been used uh, a lot throughout the state, a lot throughout our region. We wanna make sure that we keep those tools intact uh, sure. and that they are properly funded. You know, whatever side of the equation uh, that you uh, agree or not on uh, economic development incentives, they are important. This is how we compete with other states. Yeah. And other states, uh, don't forget, are in Texas every day trying to lure businesses away. Mm-hmm. Uh, other cities within other states as well. 
And so it's very important that we um, maintain a healthy, economic, vibrant economy. Uh, one way we do that is to bring more and more jobs, new jobs, and expand current businesses who are here. Mm -hmm. So chapter 312 and 313 are tools in which we do that by. Uh, chapter 312 is under uh, reauthorization uh, this session. So we'll have to be reauthorized this session by the legislators. Mm -hmm. And I would say, just to kind of put it in context, in Plano we have roughly, I think it's 32 312 agreements that we've benefited from. Um, and those are the big companies that brought their jobs here. And, um, and then also within 313, I think there's two or three that we have. In fact, we have one that's currently in process with the school district and Texas Instruments. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah. again, it's an important tool that we've utilized locally and seen huge benefit for. So. Yeah. You know, a lot, of, a lot of communities across the state do not use it. Some, like Plano and others, do use it. And what we're asking the legislature is just to say those who do use it, let's let's continue that let's let's continue to allow that let's fund that uh, but leave it up to the local government if they choose to use that or not to so that true local control great Chris in your opinion what are the biggest issues facing businesses in North Texas you bet uh, thanks chairman um, you know w workforce development by far mm -hmm. uh, if you, the 13 counties in which we serve, particularly in the four, what I call core counties, uh, you, you talk to business leaders and it's do, you know, the concern is, is do I have the positions in place? Do I have the uh, uh, future jobs, uh, people to fill those jobs in a highly skilled workforce environment in say three to five, six, seven years? Uh, and most feel uh, that uh, there's some uncomfort there, uh, that they do not uh, have the amount of workforce that they need. Uh, and there are more jobs today in the region open than we have people to fill them. And that's mainly because of the lack of skills. So there's a big skills gap there. Uh, so by far, that uh, skills gap, uh, the future workforce, the pipeline, our future talent pipeline, is by far the biggest challenge of the region. Our population will double as a state by the year 2050. We're gonna be a little bit more than that in this region by the year 2050. So we must continue. When we talk about transportation infrastructure, water infrastructure, all those are important and we're gonna to continue to keep our eye on those, uh, make sure that we're ahead of the game. But if we don't have the future talent and workforce uh, you're going to see less and less companies move here. You're going to see companies uh, import more and more jobs. So we think there's a good formula of importing jobs and talent and what I'll call kind of growing our own. Sure. And we have a lot of programs in place with our university systems, our community college districts, partnering with our school systems to really grow our own and train our own. Well, Chris, I think, it, too, when you look at it, like um, the process currently in place um, we were talking with Mike Morath, the head of the Texas Education Agency, our commissioner, and he mentioned the process to get curriculum approved and books approved. We've got to change the entire way we manage education in our state in order to really keep pace with the new jobs that are being created based on technology and everything that's just, it's totally different today than it than it was five years ago. It is. And so I think some of that's come up this session, this legislative session, and looking at not only how do we fund education, but just really how do we make sure that the outcomes are reflective of the investment we're making in our students, and are those students ready to go into the workforce? 
Absolutely. when the time comes. Absolutely. Make sure that we have that truly that ROI, that return on investment for our public tax dollars, that we are graduating and that we are taking people from high school to community college or a certificate or even a four-year degree. Mm -hmm. But there's got to be a pipeline there for our future workers. Uh, I think uh, this session we are seeing, we are 66 days into the session, we are seeing a lot of momentum and uh, a lot of unified leadership uh, among the top three leaders of the state and in both chambers, in the House and the Senate, to really accomplish school finance reform and f really truly tackling the issue, do we have a future pipeline uh, for uh, future workers uh, for our state? So a lot of people, when they think of Plano, they think of service industry, financial services, um, when they look at the jobs that are here. But really, a lot of those, um, what we consider banking institutions, financial institutions, most of the jobs that we're seeing in those areas are really technology-based. And they are looking for the talent to help build the apps, to um, create the platforms in order to operate their systems on. So um, part of it in our trips to Austin is really just educating our delegation and um, others in Austin about what types of jobs do we truly need to be training for and what does that look like today, but also as fast as the pace is, what is it going to look like in five years, which is going to be very different. So absolutely interesting. So let's talk a little bit. Um, last session, our battle was really bathroom bills. We spent a lot of time talking about um, about that issue. Um, you and I were at a, a press conference that we hosted and we had our, our local state rep, uh, Representative Jeff Leach. Um, he was there and he was quoted saying, books before bathrooms and um, really focusing more on education and less on some of these issues that seemed to really hijack the agenda last session. Definitely. So do you see any of those types of issues making their way back through? The, the bill filing deadline is now passed. What are we seeing as far as um, religious freedoms sure. or things like that? Sure. Um, you know, I think uh, Representative Leach uh, was right, at least to date, with 66 days in the session, um, is that we, we have not seen uh, a lot of legislation regarding a, quote, bathroom bill. Mm -hmm. They are really focusing on the core issues, uh, and that is school finance reform, uh, property tax reform, uh, and other, other core issues. Uh, we are seeing, uh, there was a bill filed, um, Senate Bill 15, uh, that would prohibit cities uh, for um, a mandatory paid sick leave for private employers. Uh, while the North Texas Commission did not act on the mandatory paid sick leave uh, of the base of the bill, there was an amendment uh, the very last minute uh, put on in the Senate and it did pass the Senate committee. The amendment would be very vague in terms of what it would do to non-discrimination ordinances. Plano has an NDO. Mm -hmm. There are three cities in our region that have comprehensive NDOs, Plano, Dallas, and Fort Worth. There are four other cities that have partial NDOs and one county, Dallas County, has a partial NDO. So uh, we are really looking to uh, House Bill 1654 by Representative Goldman. We have been in uh, a lot of communication with Representative Goldman to make sure that his bill, which is pretty much identical to Senate Bill 15, but his bill would move forward without any amendment. Uh, and that's very important. We, we do not want to do anything to place in jeopardy our non-discrimination ordinances. And we've had a lot of legal opinions about these NDOs. And while many say that the, that the base of the NDO would stay in place, there's a lot of 
uh, questions about uh, health benefits, about scheduling practices, um, uh, and other factors within NEOs that in private employers could uh, use uh, perhaps to discriminate against LGBTQ people, against veterans, against people with disabilities, and the list goes on and on. And so we are watching that very, very carefully. Uh, we don't think that there are votes in the Senate uh, uh, on, on the floor to, to pass SB 15 with the amendment. And we certainly hope that Representative Goldman's bill uh, moves forward, as he has stated, without the amendment, or it won't move forward at all. Uh, so uh, I think we're in fairly good shape there to date. We do have, um, uh, Jamie, as you mentioned, some uh, religious refusal bills. There are 10 uh, on the books uh, today. Uh, one in particular is SB 17 by Senator Perry uh, from Lubbock. Uh, this would create religious exemption or refusal rights for occupational license holders throughout the state. It's about 24% of our workers. So people like uh, AC refrigeration specialists, barbers, property tax professionals, uh, several uh, health-oriented professionals, code enforcement officers, electricians, uh, many of them could say, no, I refuse to serve um, a particular customer because of his or her religion. That's, uh, we need to be very careful with that uh, to make sure that we're not discriminating toward anybody within our society. And, and you know, North Texas is so diverse as far as um, we, are, we really have a global marketplace. There's, there's jobs that have been brought to North Texas because of that diversity, and we would hate to see that negatively impacted. So, Absolutely. You know, point. just, just uh, ironic, a little footnote, that, was, that bill was originally filed as Senate Bill 444. It was just recently refiled to make it Senate Bill 17, which typically means it's a higher priority for the lieutenant governor for a higher bill number. We have some more questions for Chris, including his insights into the current legislative session. But first, let's take a quick break for a message from our presenting sponsor of Plano Pulse, Legacy Texas. I want a commercial banker who's all about relationships. Scratch that. I want a commercial banker who's all about results. At Legacy Texas, we're with you. You expect a great relationship from your banker. What they do with it, that's what really matters. We take a business approach to all banking. So whether you're building a practice or expanding your company, you'll appreciate working with a Legacy Texas banker. And you'll appreciate the results even more. Legacy Texas. Change your mind about banks. Member FDIC. Welcome back to Plano Pulse. We're here with Chris Wallace, President and CEO of the North Texas Commission. Thanks again for joining us today. At the beginning of the session, you kind of already alluded to it, our three statewide leaders, our speaker, our lieutenant governor, and our governor really came out in a united front with a focus on some key issues. Um, in fact, they were made emergency priorities by the governor. And most of those were centered around property tax reform, school finance reform. Um, as we are now 66 days in, are you seeing any tension or difference between the two chambers and what they're trying to achieve specifically on those two issues? We are uh, a little bit. Uh, I don't remember a time, most people don't in our state's history where you, uh, even prior to the start of the session, you had the top three leaders in sync in terms of what the uh, priorities are going to be uh, tackling particularly core issues, but here we are seeing a little bit of tension, particularly on uh, on the school finance side. 
on uh, House Bill 3, uh, which is a really transformational, comprehensive approach to school finance reform. Um, and then uh, at the last hour, uh, Senator Larry Taylor, uh, chair of Senate uh, Education Committee, uh, filed his bill uh, with um, uh, teacher pay raise, at least a one-time teacher pay raise. And there's a lot of questions about how we sustain that in, in the future. The thing about House Bill 3 is that uh, it is sustainable. Uh, there's, there's a lot of factors in there in terms of uh, increasing their per pupil spending, uh, funding full day pre-K, which the North Texas Commission, I know the Plano Chamber and TAB and others have been um, asking for that for the last several sessions. So this would fund full day pre-K for low income children. Uh, it does offer a merit pay salary increase um, that would be decided at the local level. So again, give local school districts that local control, which we're all for. Uh, it does increase base funding per Texas student by 890. And uh, what's great for Plano too is yeah. that it compresses uh, the school district tax rate by four cents. Uh, and it would certainly help in terms of reduced recapture payments. Right, so, and it helps the, the taxpayer side. And we're still, I think, understand that we're still crunching the numbers to see exactly what does that look like as far right. as the uh, total amount that we send back to the state. We're the second or third largest payer when it comes to recapture. And um, so, yes, we are very interested to see how that kind of comes together. Definitely. So you are seeing a little bit of difference there between the Senate version of the education bill versus the House version. Uh, Senate uh, uh, kicked off their hearings recently, or excuse me, the House did. Um, I think what you'll see is that you'll see components of the Senate bill, you'll see components probably more so of the House bill leading, and then they'll come to conference and come to an agreement. Uh, but I, th I think you will see significant funding increase um, uh, right at about nine billion, perhaps a little less, uh, for school finance reform. And we think uh, at the end of the day, it'll end up being taxpayer relief because that's the largest bill that taxpayers pay is their school finance, you know, the school bill. Mm -hmm. So uh, what, what we're asking the legislature is really concentrate on school finance reform. That is keep an eye on the ball on that core issue. And let's, let's stay away from um, HB2, SB2, those are two identical bills that were filed the very uh, first of session uh, dealing with revenue caps. The governor is asking to cap uh, local revenues at 2.5%. We think that would be devastating for our communities. Uh, we think that 2.5% is a non-starter. We are uh, absolutely objecting to the 2.5%. There is no need to really tie the hands of our cities and counties uh, to provide the core services, including public safety and the great services, quality of life services that our cities and counties provide our citizens. Well, and back to the economic development, when we talk to companies about why do you come to Plano and why do you bring your jobs here, it is quality of life. And that is controlled at the local level and they know what it takes to make sure that we're adequately funding public safety. I mean, Plano's always ranked one of the safest cities in America. Um, they, you know, when you look at our recreation centers and some of the services that our city provides for the amount that we invest as taxpayers, it's pretty remarkable. And so um, I would say we're in a agreement on that, that there needs to be more local control and let, let the cities really control that issue and listen to their uh, constituents. They have a lot of access. They City council meetings Absolutely. always are lively, so. There's a recent poll, uh, you may have seen it, just uh, recently published 
uh, and it shows that a majority, this is a statewide poll, a majority of Texan voters believe that local governments uh, are better connected to their communities and should be allowed to pass policies that reflect their local needs and values. Uh, and I think that's probably true right here in Plano, and I can speak for the entire region that I think most citizens, uh, corporate citizens, residents alike, uh, feel that, uh, that the best control will be that local control, people who are closest, elected officials who are closest to the citizens. And that's proven well right here with the city of Plano, with the school districts, and, and what have you, that you, 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 know, you have good government here, so let's, let's right. stay out of the way and let them work. Well, and, and along those lines, when you look at the HB2 and SB2, what we're talking is $3.25 savings per month for the average household in Plano. And to us, that's not meaningful tax reform. That's not going to help the families here that really are looking for some that's relief. Right. So. Particularly with the risk that it would be taken to the, to the local governments, right? So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, you mentioned that the citizens are saying local control makes sense. The municipalities and cities are saying local control makes sense. Is Austin hearing that message? And how do you think that's going to fare at the, with this session? You know, I think we got to keep that drumbeat going. We are mounting at the NTC a fairly large grassroots campaign to, to ask business leaders, to ask citizens, to, to let their local uh, elected officials know. We have 50 legislators within our 13-county region, state legislators, uh, House and Senate. And we're asking them to let them know that let's, again, keep our eye on the ball on school finance reform. Let's, let's move forward with uh, components of the House Bill 3. Let's move forward with some perhaps components of the Senate Bill. Let's, let, let's work hard on that before the end of May, before May 27th uh, when the session ends. Uh, let's avoid a special session. Let's keep our eye on the ball and concentrate on that number one priority. That will ultimately achieve property tax relief, uh, we believe. And so let's, let's stay away from these unnecessary type issues. Uh, and um, local control is where uh, where uh, government needs to uh, really rely on. Mm -hmm. Well, um, talk a little bit about the North Texas Commission. Um, we're thankful to be partners with you all in the region. And um, how do you establish the priorities of the organization? Mm -hmm. What process do you use? Because obviously the region is big. We all have different challenges depending on the community and the different types of industries represented. But how do you and the board really establish where your focus will be? Absolutely. So the NTC is made up of 60, about 60 percent of the uh, private sector, primarily the larger midsize uh, we do have some small businesses as well, particularly those who cater to the mid-sized to larger businesses, and then 40% on the public side. So cities, uh, 13 counties, community college districts, and uh, public and private universities. So what we do is we bring the region's leadership from the public and private sectors together to really tackle our toughest challenges for our North Texas region. We've had a long history of doing that from the early 70s when we were uh, developing and marketing DFW Airport. Um, we uh, really pride ourselves like we are this session, whether it be uh, uh, advocating for intimate domain for a high-speed rail project to connect Houston and Dallas. We were down testifying uh, just recently against uh, uh, Senate Bill 421, which really jeopardized that project and jeopardized intimate domain. Um, whether it be transportation, that's a huge factor of ours. We, we truly have an integrated transportation system of choice in our region today. 
the largest managed lane network in the country, and we want to keep it that way. And again, it's our choice to have that, and citizens can travel uh, with freedom on which lanes they want to use. Uh, and so uh, it may be, uh, uh, you know, Jamie uh, and Chairman, it may be tackling uh, uh, housing affordability. That's one that, 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 that we're really working hard on to ramp up. Uh, it may be um, to uh, build out our transportation systems with other modes of transportation. So it's all about everything that we do is about creating jobs for fellow North Texans. So it's got to be to further the economic development and the vibrancy of our economy in North Texas. Y'all do great work. Thank you. We so, appreciate your partnership. Chris, I'm going to squeeze in one more question yeah, sure. for our listeners. Two items that would measure success for this session, in your opinion, if they, came, if they were resulted in two things, what would that be? School finance reform uh, in a meaningful way uh, to ultimately achieve uh, uh, property tax relief. Uh, and more transportation infrastructure funding. <laughs> well, that's about all the time we have for today, Chris. Thanks so much for taking the time to sit down with us and share this information with our listeners. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We also want to give special thanks to Legacy Texas for their partnership as the presenting sponsor of Plano Pulse. Speaking of sponsors, we are currently seeking episode sponsors for future installments of Plano Pulse. Contact us at the Chamber for more information on how to get your business in front of our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to Plano Pulse. Please let us know what you think. Share with your friends and colleagues. Be sure to download the Plano Chamber app and tune in for our next episode.